Welcome to another Break It Down. It is I, Alex McCarthy, and Kenny McIntosh in the building to discuss all things wrestling. And you better believe there is a lot of wrestling to discuss. Uh, Both Kenny and I were at All In at the weekend, and we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of all of that. Certain CM Punk cannot stay out of the headlines, but unfortunately there are some sad headlines too with Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk. Uh, passing away wrestling royalty. Uh, we will have to pay our tributes to those. We also have Paul White uh, at the end of the show of our interview today. Kenny sat down with him ahead of All In at Wembley, Captain Insano himself. Kenny, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm I'm recovered from all the All In stuff and all the, all the, the travel. I was lucky that I... Came home on Tuesday this week rather than Monday because Monday obviously was a shit show for flights. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, no, I'm good. I, I, we, I, we got into London like Thursday night and then we went and saw the ABBA voyage thing with the holograms, which was amazing, by the way. Okay. We, what, she wants to go and see that, I thoroughly recommend it. But we came out in a euphoric state, very happy, and then found out Bray Wyatt had died. So that shot that to shit. <laughs> so, uh-huh. um, yeah, very sad. I mean, we. Do you remember it was the the day of the Royal Rumble when Kobe Bryant died, and it was a a very similar thing. I was like, "Oh, the Rumble's going to be great tonight," and they're like, "Oh, Kobe, Kobe Bryant's dead," and his family like, "What?" Yeah, um, it's, you know, it's tough. It's... Yeah, it kicks you. It does kick you. Let's start there, man. Like Bray, thirty six. Like I'm thirty fucking five. Um, it seems mental. Uh, to that's even possible, really. But the what, what we know, or what we're told about the situation, he was struggling with heart issues, which um, were related, to, which which were brought on by COVID. And yeah, like, well, or they were exacerbated by COVID, I believe. It, it, they yeah. were made, they were made worse. Um, and can I just can I can I just say a personal opinion? Yes. If you if you are listening to this, because all of our listeners are amazing, right? However, if there's one of you who's sitting going, well. It probably happened because he took the vaccine. Jump oh, off a cliff. Please. Just jump off a cliff. Please. My God. I you can't know. do another conversation like that. Like, uh, science is not an opinion. Science mm-hmm. is fact. Fuck off. I just can't be asked. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, my friend sent me a couple of screenshots like that when, yeah, I, and I, I was very much like, come the fuck on. Um, anyway... <laughs> exacerbated as we said but it did seem like he was on the up and up and he was going to be making a return and he was getting better and then i know where he has a heart attack at 36 uh i i find it very hard to comprehend shocking sad all of those words but I mean, um you you, you can uh, i mean you'll be able to appreciate more than i will because i can obviously i can try and appreciate it but you know i've not got kids you know, you've got kids, yeah. and it's like he's got kids that he's left behind, and that's, and you know, a wife and stuff, and like that's got to be horrible on them, you know, that that he's gone, um, and you know, I mean, we obviously only can really talk about the wrestling stuff, but I mean, I think that has to be brought up of you know how sad that is. That yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I definitely that's that's uh, you know, he, he has children kind of my age, to be honest. Um, I, it's it's dreadful to think about. Obviously, JoJo. Uh, former ring announcer that some of you may or may not know was uh, his wife. Um, just yeah, dreadful. I mean, 
the one th- I mean, this is purely a selfish wrestling based thing. So, uh, but the thing that I find really sad about the wrestling part of it is, is that he never did an interview out of character about his career, and because yeah. there was so much stuff that was like, look, look, look I, I thought Bray, I, I loved the creativity of Bray Wyatt, but some of the stuff on TV was absolutely terrible. So. I yeah. feel like there's a lot of stuff where he probably had reasons as to why, you know, he could go, well, you know, I wanted to do this, but Vince wanted to do this and, and explain things, but he never got to explain anything. And I think yeah, I, I think there's a lot of that. I, I, I think there's a lot of batting heads, particularly with the Fiend character, um, yeah. of what he thought and what he envisioned versus what Vince would let him execute or what Vince wanted to happen, which, you know... God, there's <laughs> that's a that's a story as old as time in, in in WWE. Like what somebody wants versus what what Vince wants you to do. Yeah. Um and and I, I would love to know how that really manifested what he did. Because because to me, at the time, Firefly Funhouse was like an absolute breath of fresh air. I thought it was really entertaining, really well done. Um yeah, my dog liked it. <laughs> and it it was just it for a long time, like I, I, I fell in love with Bray as like the cult leader on the rocking chair, right? Like I really yeah. thought there was a lot of mileage behind that. But I don't know. I, it was we were thinking he was going to be the next Undertaker, and it was like you know debated he could, you know, break the streak or he could be that kind of mythical presence that WWE, you know, law has so heavily welcomed. Yeah, and it just it just didn't happen, right? Like he never quite got to that next level, and you kept thinking that there's still time and it will happen, and it and then now we're just left with what we had. Yeah, and I, think he, I mean, he also he also tried, you know, he, he tried to change characters like quite a few times, and yeah, I mean, I remember being there in in Toronto for the Fiend debut at SummerSlam, and I remember just being like, "Wow, this is." Like this is incredible. Like what? What is this? Mm. But it, yeah, I mean, obviously, then it was like the red lights, and he's hitting the head with a hammer, and he kicks out, and like there was all you know all this, and then Goldberg comes along and ruins it all. Oh so, God, Kenny, I'd put that in my mind, please. <laughs> so, but you know, he still he still would come back and there'd be different things. So yeah, <laughs> I, I feel really bad that he never got to explain stuff, but I think. The, the, the positive about it is that people don't seem to be talking about the the bad stuff. They seem to just be kind of remembering them. And I did yeah. say on Twitter, I think, and I'm not one of these people who gets caught up in the hyperbole of someone died, therefore they are the best thing ever. But I do think they should put them in the Hall of Fame next year. I do too. I do too. He's got the accolades to do so as well, you know, just on paper. But I mean, that's one of the things I... Uh, took sort of solace in on the day that he did die was just everyone was posting videos of like his cool moments. Um, and I did so too on Twitter and there were plenty of them. Like he was a wildly entertaining, he was like an engrossing character. I found like when he was on screen, you, you were compelled to watch him, right? Like he, he was a very great talker mover. Um, yeah, I, I felt towards the end of the Wyatt family that he, some of his promos, Never went anywhere as as kind of engaging as they were, and again, that's something I would have loved to have known more about. Like, what was there like a greater thing that he was alluding to or wanting to get to that never was to be, right? Because of backstage stuff. Um, 
but yeah, rest in peace to Bray Wyatt, man. That that's incredibly sad. Um, and you know, for all that he accomplished, I, I would still argue uh, untapped potential. To be honest, uh, we should say as well, rest in peace, Terry Funk. Yeah. Um, now, admittedly, I only you know, my first exposure to Terry Funk was Chainsaw Charlie when I was like ten years old, and he was in WWE with uh, Mick Foley as a tag team. I had no prior knowledge of this man, <laughs> although he and then he came out with like a <laughs> like tights around his head. Yeah. yeah, I was like, Jesus, this guy's crazy. Um, and he was getting chucked off a dumpster by the New Age Outlaws at the time. Um, I I, I didn't know much about him, so it's only retrospectively I I realised that you know he had the the classics with Dusty Rhodes in like the late seven in the seventies, basically. Like that's how far back it goes. I was only born eighty eight. Um, and I think it might be 1980 or it's in the 80s anyway, where he has the the match with Ric Flair, right? Like 1989, 89, right? There you go. Um, is, is that the I Quit one? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, because the, yeah. the, 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 the series in 89, which came about because Funk was the the judge, the ringside judge for one of the steamboat matches, and then he yes. kind of turned on him. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, again, like, uh, Funk has got a a, a crazy legacy. And this is before we get into the deathmatch stuff or, uh, you know, what he was doing in Japan and kind of... What he did for ECW. Exactly. That was, you know, that that was kind of his renaissance, I would argue, in the 90s. Uh, It was, for for me, um, obviously, I, I probably won't be able to appreciate the grand scale of Terry Funk's career, right? Like, just because I wasn't there for a lot of it. Um, but what I do know is I really enjoyed the Terry Funk that I did get to watch, even if he was in the winter of his career then. Um, and I think if you are a fan of Mick Foley or John Moxley or anyone like that, like you, you can just see that Funk's influence is going to be reverberate around the wrestling business for decades. Uh, he made that much of an impression. There aren't that many people, Kenny, that, uh, you know, breathe new life into the business with their with their career, and and I would argue that he did. Yeah, and I think I would agree. And I think to your point that he, no matter what what kind of era you saw of him, even if it was you know WWF in nineteen ninety eight, and even WCW in two thousand, that he was still a compelling guy to watch, no matter what age he was. Which you can't really say that for many people. You know, it's like if you if your only time watching the Undertaker was like 2014, 2017, probably not gonna have the same you know, sort of no. nostalgia for him that we do because you might just... want to buy the network. Yeah. But even if you did, I think, you know, if you don't live through it, it's, it is different. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like, I think with Terry Funk, you could kind of, you could see why he was special no matter when he was Definitely. around. So, Definitely. um, yeah, I, I, but I mean, with him, it's, it, it's like, it's, it's a different case. Like he was older. He'd had a full life. I think that's why it's almost like a tragedy that they happened in the same week because Terry Funk wasn't, able to kind of get his flowers as much because the Bray Wyatt thing happened and the Bray Wyatt thing was sort of a young guy who was tragically dying, active roster member yeah. as opposed to this, you know, guy who's in his late 70s with dementia and whatever, but if, if you um, if I did put it on my Twitter, but if you've not seen it I really urge you to Google Terry Funk Shotgun Saturday Night because him coming out, he was going to be in the Royal Rumble the next night and he was told he can say what he wants in a live mic and he called uh, Todd Pettengill's mother a whore and <laughs> um, tried to go Steve Austin into a fight. And uh, it's fantastic. So I would thoroughly recommend. And that was kind of 
I think that kind of January 97 stuff is what inevitably got him a job at the end of 97 when he came back as Chainsaw Charlie, like you say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you hit the nail on the head there in many ways. We were, uh, you know, celebrating the life of Terry Funk, really, because, like you said, he lived a full life and had an amazing career. Um, whereas with Bray, it was just everyone was desperately sad that we had to let go of him so soon. So uh, rest in peace to both men and thank you for everything that they gave us. Uh, we, we should were... we should mention, actually, because <clears throat> so Bray White had passed away on or, or the news came out he had passed away. I'm not sure if it was that day, but like the Thursday is when it came out. Right. So um, you and I were supposed to be at the press day the next day. Ah, oh, you want to do this now, huh? Yeah, okay. let's just do that. Let's get <laughs> okay. Um, so we were supposed to be at the press day the next day on the Friday, and um, Paul White was one of the people at the press morning, press afternoon. Now, Paul White and I had not seen each other since the tour of 2021 that did not happen. And I was very nervous about how to handle it and what to do and what to say. Um, so my plan was to just interview him not mention who I am and then once it's done can I just say by the way appreciate you being understanding in 2021 that was my plan Mm. unfortunately for me fellow Inside the Ropes magazine writer Keith Elliott Greenberg was there and was speaking to uh, Paul White first uh, doing his usual kind of shorthand getting quotes for his article thing rather than being on video and I'm setting up kind of ready to go after him and Keith turns around and goes, and I'm going to pass you over now to the founder and owner of Inside the Ropes, Kenny McIntosh. So my whole theory, we <laughs> got under the radar, was kind of shot to shit immediately. <laughs> um, so there was just this kind of awkward setup moment. And then, so the interview starts. Now, I am the first person on video to speak to him. And it kind of was within my mind immediately, well, I've got to ask him about Bray Wyatt. But that's one of the things I have to ask him about because... That's what you would do. So I kind of spoke to him for a while about AEW come to the UK and about Vince McMahon, what he would think of All In and all this kind of stuff. And then I kind of waited till the end to ask him about Bray Wyatt. And you'll hear in the interview that I specifically say, it's a horrible situation. Can you share any fond memories of Bray? That was the question. Um, and he got quite upset. Um, and then... You know, not not in my finest hour. If I could change it, I probably would. But my segue was not the greatest. I kind of went, you know, I didn't really know what to do because I didn't expect him to get so upset. And I just sort of said, you know, obviously to bring it to a lighter note, we're here in Wembley. You know, are you going to be able to channel some of that energy into whatever you're doing this weekend? And he was kind of a bit like, uh, and, then, and then, you know, he was a pro. He did the question. So I never thought anything else of it. So did the interview, sent it over to Ollie. Things were were going. We decided to put the Bray White clip out as its own thing so that it could be celebrated as its own thing. We, at the end of the video, just put a tribute to Bray. We didn't throw to any other video. And then, so then that night, I think, um, I found out that Denise Salcedo was getting a lot of shit on Twitter about it. Well, you put um, yours on YouTube and she put hers on Twitter. There's there's the key difference there. But yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Because I I'm very aware that Twitter is not like so for example, the ma- you know, inside the Rose magazine that you write for and I write for, um, we've yep. changed the pa- the paper quality on that magazine. Um and it's a bit thinner, right? But it's because prices are going up of postage, prices are going up of paper, there is no way around it. 
And we found this paper that although it's thinner, the colour separation is much better, the, the, the pages look much better, and it's sustainable paper for the environment, right? So that is what we have done so that we can keep all the writers like yourself, like Finn Martin, like everybody else. So it's a really high quality publication for the long term, right? We are not going to post that information on Twitter because (laughs) you're just asking for trouble. So instead, everybody's been mail-shotted. You know, people can discuss it. We can explain the the decision. Somebody's aware of what's happening, blah, 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 blah. Whereas Denise's thing was she decided to put out her full clip, which was like 10, 15 minutes or whatever. But the, the teaser on Twitter was the Bray Wyatt thing. And I think she then got absolutely pelted. I then... Didn't, didn't get pelted as much, but there was a lot of people going, well, if you're going to be angry at Denise, you need to be angry at Kenny McIntosh. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I, you but, I mean, you, I, you and I spoke afterwards, and it's like, I mean, if you do this interviewing gig, whether you call yourself a journalist, whether you don't, I mean, anyone at, worth your salt had to ask the question. You had to. You had to. Let, 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 me t- let me tell you something. When I was training to be a journalist, journalism gets a lot fucking worse than that. Right. Like people, you know, uh, families could lose children and press will be at their door. Right. To like get first reactions and stuff, which sounds terrible, but believe me, it happens. It does happen. Obviously, we're lucky we're in the sporting realm where that's not so common or whatever. But, um, yeah, there are a lot worse situations than what transpired on Friday. I mean, I, I wasn't. I wasn't there in the end because I had something to do at work. It was like a press conference day that I just couldn't avoid because we had low staff. So, uh, but if I was there, I would have asked the question. Like you have to. The only thing, you know, I saw Denise actually while I'm there. I saw her on the Saturday and I, I said to her that, you know, uh, to be fair, she looked like she's handling it quite well. Um, but I felt sorry for her. As I understand it, Paul White had been clued in by the PRs that he was probably going to be asked the question to prepare for that question. So it's not as if he was caught cold footed, like a lot of people on Twitter were insisting that he was. And yes, I know he got upset and it's never nice to see that, but I mean, I've totally different circumstances. I've interviewed Lana and she starts crying right over something much more trivial than that, of course. But like, yeah, again, you don't really know what to do because it's not something that you plan for. Um, But it just happens. And I don't think, the Bray Wyatt question was unfair. It, you know, is it sad and uncomfortable and difficult? Of course it is. Of course it is. But it's, but those same people, or a lot of them anyway, that complained that, you know, it was unfair to do that. You think, well, like, what would they have said if you hadn't have asked the question? It would have been like, oh, you know, disrespectful. I don't know. They would have complained that, you know, how could you ignore something as big and as massive as this? So you can't win. Um, particularly with Twitter, this is you can't win. Um, but I think from a journalistic point of view, you absolutely did have to ask the question, especially with Paul White's history with Bray Wyatt. Um, and it's just one of those sad, unfortunate things. I think for Denise, and you've just said it there for yourself. Would you like a do-over to 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 ask it in a in a better way? You know, segue into it better, maybe, maybe, right? Like. I, I know I would have fucked it. <laughs> I know I would have fucked it. I would have been overthinking it in my head. Oh, I need to make this. Yeah, you know, I need to make sure this has a lot of feeling and whatever. And and you just, you know, it's very hard to do in the moment. But um, I do, 
I do think criticism of actually asking the question is very, very, very harsh. Um, and there's a lot of these people that don't actually know the journalism game, sadly. Um, you know, they, they, we're, we're meant to report news that's of interest, public interest, right? And then there was no story bigger than that within that 24 hours. So not sure what people expected you or Denise to do. Um, well, as, I mean, to your point, it's like the whole thing. Like, so with me, you know, and I don't want to speak for Denise. Denise, can, it's, it's up to her what she, you know, and I spoke to her as well and sort of said, look, you know, don't let people get to you. I mean, I said what you what you can do if you want to, which is, is what I do is just watch your stuff and go. Am I happy with the way I ask something? Yeah, and that was that, 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 that'd be that'd be the only way I would have approached that and said maybe you want to ch- change or tweak this. And I'm not again, not just for Denise, for anyone, even for myself, if I'd been in that position, I would have said, "Am I happy with how that came out?" Yeah, and like for for me, that's why I say I'm. I wasn't happy with my segue after it. That's that's the only thing. If I could go back and change, I would have changed that. But you know, like I say, I was, I was. I mean, because the thing is, if you think it was bad the way it was, my follow up that I was going to do, if because I didn't, I thought that he was going to be getting this question from everybody, and he was going to be fairly prepared and all that kind of well, stuff. He did, he did get it from everybody, and he did, Alan, yeah, he did. Alison, Alison McGeorge from the Metro gave it to him as well. So, like, yeah, pretty much so- everyone who saw it in that day did it. But like you said. You put the clip on Twitter, and unfortunately, you, you attract the worst people. But yeah, sorry, carry on. Yeah, no, no. But the the follow up that I was going to have to be light hearted, if he w- was in that space, right? Yeah, was to say, you know, speaking of you and Bray, there's this crazy story that you were supposed to team with John Cena and Justin Bieber against the Wyatt family at SummerSlam 2014, because that might have been a story he wanted to share to kind of go, you know, I wish that had happened, so Bray and I could have you know, reminisced about it or whatever, you know, like that yeah. was kind of, but obviously once he started crying, I was not going to fucking go, in that time you and Justin Bieber were supposed to get together. Like I wasn't going to go down that route at that point. But <laughs> You thought you were going to get him in a Bieber mood, did you? Well, no, because I, cause look, I've, I've spoken to wrestlers before about people who have, uh, who passed away and stuff. And like a lot of them, a lot of them do tend to be, you know, looking back fondly and kind of, yeah. they play, you know, they play the game because they all know, I mean, he knew that day when he walked in, he was going to get asked the question. But it's funny, I was talking to uh, somebody over the weekend who also worked in journalism and they had said, you know, and to your point, it was like, you know, there are there are a lot of worse ways that this happens. And like, there's, one of the examples was, you know, some TV shows or some uh, news shows will have uh, like a family member of somebody who's died and will sort of say things like, you know, what would you say to them if they were here now? Like things to try and get them to cry? Yeah. Like specifically, it's like, yeah. and I mean that's also a, a job that somebody who does that takes it. That's their call. It's not something I want to do, but yeah, I, it's funny because I, I initially read the comments at the beginning, and then I was like, it's it's not worth it. I'm just not going to do it. And I and I spoke to enough people that I trusted who said, you know, I think it's it's like my other half actually said, you know, do you think Barbara Walters wouldn't have asked that question? She was speaking to Big Show, and I was like, yeah, you're right. So, uh, but yeah, you hear it at the end. You can. Uh, you know, tweet me like it. Yeah, you can pick pick the bones yourself. Um, I mean, on that note, we were speaking to Paul Whitehead of All In. Let's move along to the card that we were both at at the weekend. The biggest card in wrestling history, as Tony Khan mentioned mm. some 300 times in the post, post-match post presser. Um, but he's not wrong. 81,035 people, Wembley Stadium, and for my money... The show of the year thus far, dare I say, 
Um, I enjoyed it from top to bottom. Kenny, what are your initial thoughts coming out of uh, this gargantuan show in in uh, England's capital? Uh, yeah, I thought it was a great show. Um, show of the year, maybe. I mean, it's definitely AEW's show. It's in, it's in the com- yeah, yeah, but it's, it's in, in the conversation. conversation. Would, yeah, for sure. What, what would we say is the outright winner if, if otherwise? Um, I think Backlash is very high up in the list. Oh, the Puerto Rico one, yeah. That's the Puerto Rico one, that's a great show. I mean, Money in the Bank was great, but, it, you know, uh, I, d- I don't know. I felt like this had, for, for a, how long was it in the end? It's like four, four and a bit out. I mean, with the pre-show, it was like five hours, right? Like, from top to bottom, I was entertained. I really was. There wasn't really a match where I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't good. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, it was the, the best paced AEW show they've ever done. Oh, by a mile. Um, now, obviously, you know, the fact that they got the elite out of the way in matches two and three was great for me. Because <laughs> um, then I could just, like, relax a little bit. But, yeah. I mean, um, there was part of me that thought, you know, Kenny Omega on the Wembley Stadium show pinned in a multi-man match with a roll-up. I mean, you can't make it up. Yeah. Um, but I mean, oh. apart from that, I think that the, that was the only match, and it it was good. It was still good as a match, but I didn't care about it. There was nothing about that match that I, I cared about. But um, you know, I know a lot of people did, so it's not all it's not all to cater to me specifically. But no, I thought the, the show built really well. I thought the 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 order of the card was spot on. That the women over delivered um, from what I think people thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. Saraya's mum taking the best bump of all time when she got hit by Tony Storm and actually she'd been shot with a gun in the head. It was great. <laughs> she was playing she was playing Bruce Hart. She knew yeah, I was about to say she knew it was her moment, didn't she? She was like senior senior. Uh, um, like, and Punk and Joe was a great opener, I thought. Punk and Joe was really good. It was I mean for it was 14 minutes and I, I it flew by. It flew by. It was it seemed like a really quick opener, I thought. Yeah. Um but it was great. Like the, obviously, their chemistry is 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 so incredible. But um, you know, I know you're not the biggest Young Bucks fan, but mm-hmm. I thought the closing five to ten minutes of that match were were exceptionally good. Yeah, I thought, I, I thought it was the best. My, it was my favorite boxing FTR match they'd done of those three. Me too. Me too. Um, it felt like a. And I feel like this. People get like, oh, why are you compare it? But it felt like a WrestleMania match. Like it felt like you know you were getting like a stadium, the big fight feel, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think I I thought the Bucks did great in that match. I I didn't realize that their gear was uh, Freddie Mercury inspired from when Freddie Mercury played Wembley, which was a great touch. Yeah, that's very. Cool. I actually watched BT this week, so there you go. Look at me. <laughs> look at you. Yeah, look at me. I'm a I'm a I'm I'm an elite. Stat. He's converted. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, but uh, no but it was it it, it was funny because I was talking to Robert Duffin who I obviously started ITR with and we do the Collision podcast on Patreon together and um, and after the show he was just like do you know what I can't I can't believe that people are you know saying that this punk backstage thing overshadowed it because he was like what is better than a great wrestling show with some juicy backstage drama to also salivate over you know it's like it's a perfect gift He's not wrong. Let's get into that. Um, let so the pre-show, right? It has uh, better than you, baby. Adam Cole and MJF. They they win the Ring of Honor tag team titles. Then Hook uh, defeats Jack Perry, and there's a spot in the beginning of that match because Jack Perry arrives in like a limo. Which, funnily enough, on my way out of the arena, I walked right past. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had 
and obviously the windscreen is like done in from from the the bump and the history here is on collision a couple of weeks ago cm punk basically told jack perry that he couldn't do a spot with real glass um a because it's dangerous and b because he felt like jack perry was just trying to get out and coming to work the next week when it turns out jack perry already had some pre-approved holiday apparently um so that's the whole thing he takes the bump here at wembley a real windscreen apparently um and then jack perry obviously can't help but make a comment about this in passing cm punk backstage so cm punk this yeah this is the thing hook jack perry last match on the pre-show cm punk samoa joe first match on the actual show so they are like passing each other um, and this is allegedly, you know, Fightful were the, were the ones to really break this. And I, I saw Sean in the press box as this was going off. It was, it was crazy. And, uh, basically, as CM Punk is going out, right? Like, as he's about to go through the curtain, this altercation is going down. And, and you know, I'm sure you've read, Kenny, there's different versions of what we should, happened. Yeah, but we, we should, I mean, the, the, the basic just as you know, Perry decides to say on camera, off script, Yes. Real glass Crimea River. That's what he chose to do. Now, can you imagine if any mid-level jabroni did this to The Rock or Steve Austin or Hulk Hogan? They'd be fired on the fucking spot. But this guy decided he could do this. And then what Tony Khan should have done immediately was either him or somebody who's very close to him, as soon as that piece to camera happens go over to punk and go jack perry is going to be suspended for this he is going to be punished for this off script moment but we need you to not do anything we need to not engage in any way shape or form but that didn't happen again so then obviously he comes through and punk tries to say have you got a problem with me and he said well, i can't remember the exact word but it's like a variation of like i said what i said so you've goaded punk at that point to, to kind of it's going to go further and now now we've got CM Punk not on the Chicago All Out card suspended because Jack Perry <laughs> was in a huff because he was told by a veteran that he shouldn't use real glass because it's fucking dumb which which by the way uh, no, neither here nor there sounds like it is pretty dumb it is <laughs> you know if you can not do that why would you um, and it's like I just I you know I try very hard to to not sort of take sides on stuff, but like the, all this for Jack Perry going off script. I, on I really TV. can't tell how you feel about Jack Perry. Like just <laughs> get rid of the guy. My God, like it's just it's the fact that he's able to get away with get away with this. And then Tony, he's Khan one of the Kenny. pillars, though, Kenny. Oh no, he's I, not. I'm just saying. I'm just saying from a Tony Khan perspective, right? One of his pillars. One of his. Shining lights. And and you got to remember, like, the table's kind of been set here. Like, Tony never sorted out the no. CM Punk Young Bucks beef, no. right? So anybody that is by proxy or even remotely friendly with the Young Bucks may well have problems with CM Punk. Like, like the battle lines have been drawn because Tony has never sorted it out, right? And, and He's th- just brought it back. And with that comes a lot of inherent beefs or, you know, carryover problems. You know, you know what it's like in school. Like, you don't like that mm-hmm. person, well, I don't like him. Or whatever. Like, there's, there's a lot of that. There's going to be. And I get all that. I get all that. But my, my point is, CM Punk, one of the biggest stars in the company, 
Chicago this week. Yeah, they a big, a big yeah. week that they needed him, and he's now not there because Jack Perry was allowed to go off script on TV in response to when he was told to not do something which was correct. And it's like, yeah. what are we doing here? What uh, like my my one of my main things with CM Punk, um, and again, do not know CM Punk. Let me be very clear about that. But uh, for all his, for, I've been a big fan of his work his whole career. Seems a difficult bloke, right? Just 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 outside the ring. Just if we're going by what everyone else reports and says, which is obviously something you shouldn't do verbatim. But you know, without mm-hmm. smoke, with it, there's a lot of smoke um, behind it. Um, it's 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 a tricky thing, right? Where you're he he is name value and ratings and stuff like that. Probably the biggest player AEW has, but with with his arrival in AEW, which we thought was like a savior's return, and we were all delighted to see this fairy tale reunion of CM Punk and professional wrestling. It's just had problems. Every step of the way. Now, now, why is that? You can't. I can't sit here and say it's all down to CM Punk, but like, this is an endless river of problems now. That Tony Khan doesn't seem to have any firmer clasp on how to fix. Right? It is just going and going, and every week we've got something. Yeah. The CM Punk sending people home one to me was like Jesus Christ, like what what is going on at this point? Here is maybe the first time where I'm like, ah, it seems like Jack Perry was maybe the problem. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. Like this is yeah. the only time where every other one you could say Punk had a hand in or whatever. But like, yeah. but this one it's like so right. So number one, Jack. So apparently, according to Fightful as well, I'm sure it was Fightful. Um, Jack Perry was was going around telling people he was going to make this comment. Backstage, so he's Billy Big Boss for some strange reason that thinks he can just do what he wants, and then they decide to like put him on, like put him on, then Punk straight after him, like before anything happens. Then they don't do anything when because I'll guarantee you if this if this was nineteen ninety nine, and Val Venus (laughs) made a comment about Steve Austin, (laughs) do you think Val Venus? Do you think? And and then and then backstage, Val Venus said, "I stand by it." And Steve Austin pie face. And do you think Steve Austin will be taking off the show next week? And Val no, Venus, no, Steve no Austin, chance. Steve Austin will be bringing the house down. And Val exactly because it's a fucking business. My God, I mean, it's just wild. It's wild, and it's like so. Now we're we're two days away as we record this from what looks to be the least interesting and. Impactful AEW pay per view ever because the card is oh, it's diabolical. Thrown, it's thrown together, isn't it? Christ. And then the only thing that was going to be on it that was going to be good was was Punk and Starks, and now Starks, Starks, uh, you know, momentum is stalled because he's got Ricky Steamboat. Ricky, Ricky Steamboat. No, I'm, I'm, I'm. There is a part of my brain that's hopeful. I, I don't think Ricky Steamboat's having a strap match on Sunday, so I think somebody's interfering to. Face Starks. I hope it's Punk, but yeah, yeah to me it's just like it, this would be the equivalent of losing Steve Austin because of Alvius. That is what this is, and it's. <sighs> I think. I mean, I've got to assume that you're right, and yes, like CM Punk will make the surprise. You know, when his music hits in Chicago, it'll be crazy. 
Um, you, I just have to, <laughs> I have to hope that because you look at the rest of the card. I mean, Omega and Takeshiko actually will be will be class, and Moxley and Cassidy will probably be class to be fair. But like the rest of it, they really are just kind of going. Well, you know, if this person wasn't on the, you know. I mean, Again, this person wasn't on the last show. This person, blah, blah, blah. I'm looking at uh, Miro Powerhouse Hobbs and thinking that could be quite cool. But again, they've only got one women's matchup. Now they've got Statlander and Soho for the TBS Championship. They only had one, or you know, it was a four way all out. Uh, I almost said his Monet was there, and that's kind of the big deal that Tony Khan can't wait to unleash. But you know, she's injured, so. You know, you don't know when that's going to happen. I see the criticisms of that from Twitter, and I got, I got to say, some of it's quite valid. Like one, one matchup. I know we're missing Jade Cargill, who I can't wait to come back, basically. But oh man, what one matchup? And and Statlander Soho to me is not. You know, I know they beat each other up a little bit. It's not the hottest one either. But even, but even like Omega Takeshita, terribly built. Yeah. Well, yeah, for this, you wouldn't expect it to be just now, would you? Samoa, Samoa Joe Shane Taylor. What? It's been chucked on there, mate. <laughs> Eight-man tag with FTR in the box. The, I mean, the only way that that will be, I saw this as a Twitter suggestion, and I, I thoroughly stand by it. The fact, if, if the box, when that bell rings, super kick FTR and walk out. That'd be great. That would be do great, them, do that. I bet Adam Cole and MGF will be defending their tag team. T- Dark Order! Dark Order. I mean, no offence to Alex Reynolds and John Silver, but they've not been positioned to be in the spot. I love John Silver. And I, I honestly, I've, I, I've barely seen him for the past, like, six months. Don't know where he's been, what he's been doing. It is. It's, I mean, it's just such a wet, you know, wet bit of cardboard of a card. <laughs> but I, I think, like, with any kind of rest, you know, WWE have had... Have, not recently, to be fair, but but this is years... going to shoot. This is going to cost people fifty dollars if they want to buy it. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd pay that. But I, I know that watching the show, there will be matches. Like I said, we we mentioned them earlier. There there is like three or four matches there that I think, yeah, they'll be they'll be great. But I don't know if I'd part with fifty dollars and four hours of my time. Yeah, it. you're talking what twenty quid if it's in Europe. I think I think that's what the fight. The cost is twenty quid or or fifty dollars. Yeah, um, I mean, and but like you, to your point earlier, All In was just this like amazing show that was like one of the shows of the year, and we're following up with sort of no emotional grab. You know, the most emotional grab is Cassidy and Moxley because they've done a really good job of building that up, and Cassidy cut a really good promo on Wednesday, so there is that, but. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt all in had everything really. Like, like I said, I know there were people that said, you know, maybe you should have done Omega and Takeshka there. Um, this, do you know what this looks like? This card looks like if AEW presented Insurrection <laughs> or Rebellion. Well, if it'd been like the other way around, right? Like, all in should have been all out. Yeah. Right. And like, the card we're getting Sunday is the sort of one they would have brought to the UK and said, look, there you go. Be, be grateful. Well, I just don't. I, if this if this is the plan, because I know Tony Khan said at the presser that he wants, or the the scrum that he wants to yeah, doing it every year. I mean, you almost you almost hope if this is the card, you almost hope it does a fairly bad buy rate 
as a message that like this is not sort of good enough but with AEW it's like whenever there's a pay-per-view that you think ah oh, it's not as good it still does well so I mean yeah. it needs punk I, 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 I'm, to be fair I, I do understand the logic of I want to own two bank holiday weekends in the two biggest markets like okay I get that um, but I think what he will take from this is obviously a lot of energy and uh, I don't want to say a lot of time because I actually thought the build for all in wasn't great but you know eventually that show was awesome the card was good he got there without really thinking what do I do the next week and I think he'll have to take lessons from that I think Tony can't probably be the first to say that like plotting two huge shows within two weeks it's not really done in the wrestling business and uh, we can see why I think yeah well, you know, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I, I, don't, I don't have anything else to, else to give on it. I mean, it's just, I hope Punk's back tomorrow night at Collision. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure Jack... Well, unless Punk really his... fucks him up backstage, I'm not sure why he would be suspended. But Also, Tony Cat, like, the investigation's been, you were there. You saw it. <laughs> you yes. were in the room. <laughs> happened in front of you. Gorilla. Where where were you? Yeah, I mean, these are these are the times where, the, see, nine in nine ways out of ten, I'm very glad that Tony Khan is not Vince McMahon. Very glad, because he, you know, he, by all accounts, seems to be a, a nice guy to work for. He's got the best of intentions. He's done a lot of kind acts, in a lot of yes. ways. But like, I'd love to see what Vince would have done in that reaction in that situation. I mean, it would have been sorted in five minutes. You would not have needed anything else. It, 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 because because there's no way if Jack Perry worked for Vince McMahon he would have done that and got away with no. it. No, no chance. Well, unex, unexpected to you know live basically. <laughs> yeah, there's um, like you know P45 before you can even get to your locker room would be there probably. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you you made a really good point earlier. But it's like if, unless they start sort of making it a scenario where there's there's consequences to doing something like this. Then the only well, let me say something to the Jack Perry that's not as bad as what I have said about him. The only thing I can sort of understand is that he is in a company where everybody tends to just take shots and do stuff and get away with it. So yeah. in his mind, he's maybe thinking, "Well, I'll just do the same." Good business, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I mean, Jack Perry could do with an angle with CM Punk. Maybe that's in his head. I don't know. Yeah, he's thinking. Here comes some real heat, brother, brother. I don't know if he's going <laughs> the right way about it, but we'll yeah, see. Well, Jesus Christ. Uh, all right, enough. Enough of us rambling. Uh, allow us to give you the Paul White interview that we so heavily foreshadowed at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, you know, WWE Payback is this weekend, it's worth noting. So, you know, very interested to see if Becky and Trish actually get to deliver what they were postponed from SummerSlam doing. Um, so very anyway, all eyes on that, basically. But otherwise, the card is, you know, Rollins and Nakamura and, uh, you know, by the by. Um, Kenny, got anything you want to promote that's coming up people need to know about? Uh, you can pick up the new issue, the mag, uh, inside the magazine.com. Mr. McCarthy is in there. I'm in there. I'm right about Dominic Mysterio. Get in there. Get in Dirty there. Dom. Dirty Dom. Uh, I'm in. I'm in there interviewing Adam Cole. I interviewed him before All In, and it, it still stands as an interview. So I hope that you'll check that out. Yeah, I would uh, encourage people to check that out. And apart from that, just uh, you know, 
people have got enough to do this weekend having to sit and watch two more pay-per-views so I won't bother yeah. with anything else <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean you can find all of our interviews and the post uh, match scrum that we were talking about actually on Inside the Ropes YouTube channel that is on YouTube Inside the Ropes make sure you check it out until then I've been Alex McCarthy he's Kenny McIntosh and please enjoy Paul White well and we're back here with the one and only Mr. Paul White, large and in charge. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely large and in charge with the small furniture. I'm good. <laughs> um, obviously, we're over here for you know this massive show all in at Wembley Stadium. Right. Did you think that we'd get to a point where AEW would be in Wembley so soon? No, it's funny. One of my first meetings with Tony Khan, uh, actually, we were talking about my contract and what I, I wanted to do with AEW and what he wanted from me. I said, listen, one of the things we have to do, we have to get in the UK market. Um, it's good for our younger talent to experience this environment. And uh, I remember at the time, I was pushing for O2 Arena. Like, you get into O2 Arena, it's a different environment. The the guys and gals are going to learn so much about their characters, their craft, how to perform just being in this crowd. And I remember Tony being very excited about it. But then again, being a billionaire instead of O2, he goes to Wembley Stadium. So it's like... All right, man, I said, I said UK, but wow, okay. Uh, it's a, just an incredible uh, achievement for AEW this early in the game. I'm really proud of, proud of AEW, proud of what Tony Khan's done, proud of our talent, because this, uh, this is a show that was sold out on brand alone in the beginning, pretty much most uh, 85% of the tickets were sold just on brand alone. AEW is coming, bam, tickets went out. So that's, uh, that's a, hell of a hell of a draw. You know, you when you signed with AEW, I think a lot of people were surprised because they probably saw you as a WWE lifer right. um, rather than you know going to AEW. I guess you know people were very curious what Vince McMahon's reaction would be to you when you came to AEW. What was that like? You know, was there a conversation when you when you joined? Yeah, I actually got a phone call um, that day from Vince and Kevin Dunn, who I have a great relationship with both of them. And Vince um, wished me a lot of luck. Uh, knew for a fact that the experience that I've had and the things that I've been through, I'd be a great asset for AEW and I will help the brand out a lot. And, and uh, uh, I've known Vince. I mean, I grew up on Vince. I mean, Vince, my first media training was with Vince personally. So um, I know that Vince is somebody that respects uh, gumption. He, he respects people that take chances. And, uh, I'm not one that was going to sit around on my ass where I was before and ride on my tenure or any of that crap. Like, I'm hungry and I like to build and I like to create and I like to be a part of of something. That's the hunger and the energy. So I saw a great opportunity of what AEW was doing uh, to be involved and help build something. And I think that's what attracted me the most about AEW was that opportunity to see something grow, mainly from my love for the business. Um, I want the business, the industry to be better. I want more diversity of product for the fans because competition is good for any, everyone. And uh, I think um, the relationship I have with Vince and Kevin, they understood what I was doing and why I was doing it. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hungry old timer. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because Matt Hardy did an interview recently and he talked about how if he'd stuck with WWE, he'd probably have to be a producer about that would probably be the role. Yeah. Is that kind of what the, the role was going to be for you had you stayed? Well, yeah, like I know that they talked to me about being a producer and I told Vince if he wanted me to, um, you know, bash my head in with a hammer, make me a producer. I don't, I don't consider myself a producer because um, 
I consider someone that can give some insight and advice, but I can't go out and tell a uh, regular sized talent um, what to do. It's not my thing. They're, they have to interpret their own character. Now, when it comes to giants, sure, I have a little bit more insight on character presence and whatnot. Um, you know, my thing that I wanted to do was more uh, stick my uh, toes a little bit in the commentary end of it, which Tony Khan gave me that opportunity, and, and compete a little bit more. Find, uh, find talents that I can work with and, and help with time and in the ring. I think I'm a better... I'm a better teacher in the ring working with someone. I'm not quite the teacher that like a Billy Gunn is. Now, when you talk about teachers, uh, Billy Gunn is one of the most incredible, mechanically sound teachers I've ever been around in my life. Like This guy was, was born to instruct people on how to do things properly. So um, for me, it was just finding them where I was most comfortable um, and could, felt like I could contribute the most. So, And I didn't want to roll into the... Um, just the ambassador role or a producer, and um, that's that's not my gig yet. Uh, maybe later uh, with AEW, maybe I'll roll into that producer role, but not right now. And you know, you know, you know Vince maybe better than anybody. You worked with him for so long. What do you think he thinks about AEW selling you know over eighty five thousand tickets at Wembley? Oh well, I think he's pissed. I think he's absolutely pissed, but he's pissed in a good way because. Um, he's the type that like oh okay he likes competition he likes that challenge Vince is very much uh, uh, animal of the jungle type mentality so if I think Vince is um, a guy that thrives on competition that thrives on doing new things that thrives on on uh, um, being the best in his mind at what he does so when, you know, competition steps up, that fires Vince up more than anything. Uh, the worst thing that can happen to Vince McMahon is to be bored and monotonous. You know, uh, if he's got competition, it fires him up to be better, which is a win for, for the fans because, you know, they'll get a better product and it's good for us because we produce a better product too. So competition is good. I do want to ask you, obviously, you know, the wrestling world today is very sad about the Bray Wyatt situation from the last 24 hours. I know you worked with him quite a bit. You know, can you give any sort of comment? It's a horrible situation, but could you, could you have any kind of memories of working with him that you could share or, you know, some of the good times you had with him? I'm going to be real, <laughs> real honest about it. Um, I'm still kind of numb from it. Um, when I think of Bray, all I think about is his laugh and his smile and how, no matter what we're doing, how excited he was to see me and give me a hug. And uh, it uh, doesn't feel real right now. But, you know, it's I've been around a long time and lost a lot of, a lot of good friends. That's just, uh, unfortunately, that's just part of getting older. I do want to kind of finish uh, talking about you and talk about Wembley. We're here, obviously. Um, how important is it for you to be on the show this Sunday to, to kind of channel your energy in wrestling? How are you feeling? Well, um, <laughs> Jesus, that's an end around. Um, uh, I've got a chance to be on the panel, uh, pre-show panel, which gives me a chance to lend some of my expertise so to speak on the matches that uh, 
people should really be excited about and pay attention to. So, I mean, every match we have on this all-in card is uh, extremely important. Um, there's a lot of nuances that I can help point out, and that's my job for the panel. So um, that's part of being a, a professional and a, a pro wrestler. You have to uh, you have to go forward and push through. I think uh, once I finally get back home to Tampa, I think uh, a lot of this will settle in. But to be a part of this Wembley show on the panel, to even be here to speak with you all, uh, I'm extremely proud that I can still do that at this stage of my career. Thank you very much.